0: America's National Parks podcast is brought to you by L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean is a proud partner of the National Park Foundation, and you can help them support the parks by shopping their limited edition National Park Collection. Every time you purchase products from the National Park Collection, which includes totes, shirts, hats, patches, and more, you're helping to protect, restore, and improve parks throughout the U.S. Search National Park Collection at llbean.com. And be an outsider with LL Bean. On the border of Utah and Colorado sits a place where the wild, rugged land has been used for centuries to carve out a modern human existence, long before it was found to contain the world's greatest collection of dinosaur bones. Here, one woman lived for nearly a century as the world modernized she kept this place as a link to the past. I'm Jason Epperson, and today on America's National Parks, Dinosaur National Monument. Dinosaur National Monument is one of those truly underrated National Park Service sites that people really aren't sure what to make of until they get there. People have been telling me for years that it's one of the most underrated parks and one of those that perhaps might benefit from a name change from National Monument to National Park. As much as I'd like to keep it a secret, I need to tell you about this place because it really is so special. But while today we could talk about the fascinating specimens of dinosaur bones, probably the best in the wild collection on earth, we're going to go a different route. Today's story is that of a woman who tamed the American West and lived in her cabin that still stands today in the park for nearly the entirety of her life. Here's Abigail Trebu.
1: Wild and dangerous, romantic and adventurous. The American West is for most people today an almost mythological world. One separated from ours by time, technology, and civilization. Yet for Josie Bassett Morris, the Wild West was a stark reality. Josie lived most of her 90 years in this difficult yet beautiful landscape. When people depended on the bounty of the land for survival and their neighbors for companionship. As a child in Browns Park, Josie contributed her part of the household and ranch chores. Once those duties were complete, young Josie was free to play in the surrounding wilderness with her four siblings. The children grew up with an intimacy and dependence on the natural environment, forming values based on hard work and resourcefulness. Josie's family hosted many guests in their home which fostered in her a strong sense of hospitality, generosity, and community. Sometimes these dinner guests include outlaws like Butch Cassidy, who started to become romantically involved with Josie's sister, Anne. In 1896, several wealthy cattle barons in the area made attempts to purchase the Bassett Ranch. When the Bassets refused, the barons began to rustle their cattle. Josie and Anne, in turn, rustled cattle from them. This led to a feud and resulted in the cattlemen bringing in killer-for-hire Tom Horn to deal with what the cattlemen deemed to be criminals. Horn eliminated several known rustlers during that time but took no action against the Bassets, and for good reason. By 1896, Josie Bassett was heavily involved in a relationship with Elsie Lay, Cassidy's closest friend. Josie had also become involved with Cassidy shortly after his release from an 18-month prison sentence, during which time Anne was involved with Ben Kilpatrick. When Elsie Lay began a relationship with a woman named Maud Davis, Josie moved on to Will News Carver and Anne returned to her involvement with Cassidy. Through their relationships with Cassidy's wild bunch gang, and in exchange for supplying them with beef and fresh horses from their ranch, the two sisters were in a position to get assistance in dealing with the cattlemen who were pressing them to sell. Fear of retribution from the outlaws kept would-be assassins away. There was a report that Kid Curry, the most feared member of the Wild Bunch gang, once paid a visit to several cowboys known to be employed by the cattlemen, warning them to leave the Bassets alone. Despite the seemingly constant changes in romantic partners by both the Bassett sisters and the gang members, there is no report of there being any animosity as a result. Although both sisters were taking part in the fight against the powerful cattlemen's associations, it was Anne that became better known, with the newspapers as well as friends dubbing her Queen Anne Bassett. In early 1897, Bassett joined Cassidy at Robber's Roost, Elsie Lay, having ended his relationship with Josie, joined them with his now-girlfriend and future wife, Maud Davis. According to reports of the day, the Bassett sisters were two of only five women ever allowed into the robber's roost hideout. By April 1897, the two women were sent home so Cassidy and his gang could concentrate on their next robbery. Cassidy would continue his romantic involvement with Anne off and on for another four years, seeing her whenever he was near her ranch. By 1904, most of the outlaws associated with the Bassett girls were either dead or had been captured by lawmen. And Bassett never saw Cassidy again after he first departed for South America. Several other outlaws from lesser-known gangs drifted in and out of the ranch, usually visiting only to obtain beef or fresh horses and have a place to stay for a few days. LZ Lay repeatedly visited the ranch again in 1906, shortly after his release from prison, before moving on to California, where he lived out the remainder of his life as a respectable businessman. women of Josie's family were not only pioneers of the West, but also represented a progressive style of womanhood. Josie married five times, and she divorced four husbands in a time when divorce was almost unheard of. For this, Josie's strong will, charm, and independence garnered rumors about her throughout most of her life. However, Josie was universally admired for living such a remote and rugged lifestyle. Women were respected if they could work alongside the cow hands and run an efficient ranch in addition to being feminine. With no money to buy property, in 1913, Josie decided to homestead in Cub Creek. Here, she built her own cabin and lived for 50 years. For a time, Josie shared her home with her son Crawford and his wife. Grandchildren spent summers working and playing alongside Josie. Raised on the frontier, Josie lived into the modern era of electronics. For friends and acquaintances in the 1950s, Josie was a link to a world past. During Prohibition in the 1920s and into the 1930s, Josie brewed apricot brandy and chokecherry wine. After a lifetime dressing in skirts, she switched to wearing pants in her later years. She was tried and acquitted twice for cattle rustling when she was in her 60s. At the age of 71, in an ambitious move to revive a profitable cattle business, she deeded her land away and lost all but five acres where her cabin still stands. In December, 1963, She fell when a horse knocked her down, breaking her hip. She died a few months later at the age of 90. She was the last remaining direct source of information about the Wild Bunch gang.
0: Dinosaur National Monument lives on the border of Northwestern Colorado and Northeastern Utah in a fairly remote region. Don't get me wrong, there's still highways and towns, just not a lot of people. The park has two main regions, and on the Utah side, you can visit the Quarry Exhibit Hall where there are 1,500 bones still encased in the rock. How often do you get to see fossils partially exposed from the rock they were found in? But there's more to see here beyond the amazing fossils. It's one of the few parks where you can go whitewater rafting, and there's incredible stargazing in this designated night sky preserve. You can explore mountains and canyons, watch wildlife, and photograph wildflowers. Dinosaur offers countless opportunities for discovery. It is truly a multifaceted and wild national park. If you're heading to Dinosaur during the coronavirus pandemic, you need to grab tickets to visit the Quarry Exhibit Hall in advance. They're limiting the number of people who can participate in the experience, and you have to ride a shuttle a short distance from the visitor center to the hall. The Park Service is doing an excellent job of sanitizing the open-air shuttles after every use, and only seating people in every other row. Josie Bassett's modest cabin can also be found on the Utah side of the park at the end of the scenic drive. In this spot, you can walk the short trails into Box Canyon and Hog Canyon, where Josie penned her livestock. The wooden fence still stands. This episode of America's National Parks was hosted by me, Jason Epperson, and narrated by Abigail Trebu. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search National Park Podcast. You can also join our America's National Parks Facebook group. For more great American destinations, give us a listen at the See America podcast. Season four is about to conclude wherever you listen to this one. And if you're interested in RV travel, find us at the RV Miles podcast. You can also follow Abigail and me as we travel the country with our three boys all over social media as our wandering family.
1: This land is your land. This land is my land. From California to the New York Island From the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters This land was made for you and me
0: Today's show was sponsored by L.L. Bean. Follow the hashtag BeAnOutsider and visit LLBean.com to find great gear for exploring the national parks.